Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I hope everyone's okay. I've been, I have a friend who's going through, uh, oh, what would we call it, a rough patch, I guess. So I decided I would uh, send her a letter saying that I had my fingers crossed for her good health. And I'd write it left-handed, <laughs> and then at the end I could say, pardon the handwriting, uh, my fingers are cramped. So uh, I I wrote it in you know, the handwriting's too good. I'm going to have to, it's terrible. I don't know that my handwriting's ever been that good, and I wrote it with the wrong hand, but it's too good. I'm going to have to write a different one to her so she knows that I my fingers are cramped from wishing for her good health. But Well, I was out last week. You know, I wasn't here last week. I had the COVID all last week, and so I uh, stayed home, and I was hoping that, you know, it would be one of those things where you test positive, and then you got to stay home because you don't, to, to quarantine and then I'd feel good enough and I'd go out and garden and things nah I uh, was uh, felt good enough to stay in bed and mi- commiserate just be miserable <laughs> so <laughs> but I'm better now and uh, just sounds like I got a little cold here today but uh, yeah it's not a fun thing I was vaccinated I was boosted but I had a lot of exposure to to people during the graduation ceremonies so probably that's where I got it but I'm back again and hope you're well as too Al yeah, I have uh, no complaints. Spent uh, a week or so in the classroom uh, teaching some writing classes, and it was uh, fun. Kids, uh, they're boy, they're so smart. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, spring was spreading like wildflowers, and I, <laughs> when I listened to the field sparrows at Minneopa State Park, and their song came from all directions as I watched starlings right on the backs of bison it's just so cool i i saw him on there and i thought well that's either a cowbird or starling and pretty soon there was a bunch of starlings on the backs of the bison do they do that to get bugs or something out of the bison's backs or what's the scoop yep yep and and they kind of i think maybe use uh bison as ubers (laughs) they just say you know take me over there uh, folks, if you haven't been out there, the Bison Drive is open to cars every day but Wednesday, and that's when they re- do some road repair. And when I was there, which was a, a little while ago, there were four Bison calves, and I'm sure there's more than that now. And they're little pumpkins or red dogs or orangish-red, reddish-brown, cinnamon color, and a male indigo bunting flew in while I was watching the bison and it bedazzled a small tree and one good look and I realized there was no need to gild that lily. What a glorious day to be on earth. And uh, last week I walked the trails of Quarry Park and Nature Preserve. It's a 684 acre park in Waite Park, Minnesota. And it's a site of uh, former granite mining quarries, and the trails wind through woodland, prairie, wetland, and bedrock areas. And near the entrance is something called the Liberty Derrick and the Derrick House, which pay homage to the history of the granite mining industry in the early 1900s. I think uh, I think St. Cloud is still sometimes called the Granite City. And heavy rains had caused the trails to carry a lot of water. As I watched ornaments in the trees, scarlet tanagers, they were lovely and unafraid as they searched for food. I heard an oven bird sing, nature, nature, nature. And some ears hear it as teacher, teacher, teacher. And this warbler walks on the forest floor, and its name is referenced to its nest, which is a dome structure resembling a Dutch oven. 
and its ringing song becomes stronger toward the end. Uh, nature was good company, and I was so happy to be there. I'd read uh, some things not long ago to tie these two together. The Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences had published an article that said, Water sounds, a gurgling brook or waterfowl, were effective at improving positive effect, the psychological term for a positive outlook or disposition and the experience of joy. While bird sounds were excellent for lowering stress, and the study's lead author was Rachel Buxton. She's a Ph.D. research associate and conservation biologist in the Department of Biology at Carleton University, not here but in Ottawa, and her colleagues from six other universities in the National Park Service did a statistical analysis of three dozen studies exploring the measurable health benefits of natural sounds. Lancet Public Health, funded by the World Health Organization, pooled data from nine studies involving over 8 million people from seven different countries. And that research showed that people who live near or in green spaces tend to live longer than those exposed to less green space. Research published in Ecological Applications looked at 3,000 people in Tokyo and found that seeing greenery from a window or going outside improved mental health measures like depression, happiness, self-esteem, and loneliness. Iranian studies found ICU patients on ventilators reported less pain when they listen to natural sounds via headphones. I know that walking a wet trail while listening to a bird sing about nature as I watch gorgeous birds enhance my existence. So my only advice today, oh, you know, look out a window or listen to birds. Uh, Jamie Tennyson of Clark's Grove sent me a picture of a bird and was wondering, what in the world is this thing? She's uh, so beautiful. It's an orchard oriole, but it was a young male, so they're greenish-yellow or yellowish-green, and they're slim with a black throat. Neil Lang of Albert Lee, Baltimore Orioles, roast-breasted grosbeaks, indigo buntings, and orchard orioles, and he wondered the same thing. He says, there's this yellow-green slim bird with a black throat. What in the world is it? It's an immature orchard oriole. Lynn Wasmone saw a barred owl. Brian Carson sent me a video of scarlet tanagers. Gunnar Berg says, It has been my observation that the yellower goldfinches get, the feistier and less tolerant they become of other male goldfinches. I have quantified this phenomenon and submitted my formula to numerous birding and scientific journals. I haven't heard back yet, but I assume Berg's Law will be published relatively soon. Well, thanks, Gunnar. Good luck with that. Uh, Vicki Laroon said, I thought about you last week as we watched the array of birds coming through the yard, invited by not only me and Tom, but the blooming service berry, the apple blossoms, and all the emerging bug life. The chickadees, robins, goldfinches, housefinches, catbirds, chipping sparrows, and cardinals are singing their hearts out, plus... The wrens and hummers and orioles have returned. Happy to say the Tennessee warblers are still hanging around. All are delighting us daily, and we can't drag ourselves back inside till quite late now. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner are all are now all, 
al fresco sherman kumba of fairmont sherm's just a wonderful guy he uh started the photo press a wonderful newspaper there uh i'll say several years ago it's it's been uh, a long in a long existence there in fairmont I recently planted grass seed, uh, Sherm says, in our backyard and covered it with straw battings. We usually see two or three goldfinches at the feeders. But last Friday morning, my wife called me at work and said the yard was teeming with goldfinches on the straw. She stopped counting at 50 and said there were many more. We were wondering how the goldfinches all met at the same time at the same place in our backyard. Some of them had come from a distance. My daughter said the word was probably spread by Twitter. Uh, Sherm, yeah, they do learn things on Twitter where they often tweet. Uh, Goldfinches are uh, a bit nomadic. They change addresses depending on food sources. They don't start nesting until late June or early July. So they're living the carefree life of single birds right now. So their nesting appears to be timed with a life cycle of thistles, which provide both nesting material and food. But for now, they move around and feed in flocks. You provided the food, Sherman, and they provided the flock. So why they, uh, how they found it so quickly, they could have all been in one flock when they found it. Or one flock could have came down and another small flock said, hey, look at there, what do those guys have? And they came over and joined them. But uh, glad you got to see that. Rick Mammel sent me a uh, photo, of, sadly, of a bird that had hit a window and uh, shuffled off this mortal coil. Oh. It was a thrush. Rick said it was about six inches long. It had a uh, buffy eye ring, a brownish spotting on the throat and breast. And, Rick, it looks and sounds like a Swainson's thrush. Uh, the gray cheek thrush is grayer. The hermit thrush has a cinnamon-colored tail that really stands out. The viri is reddish-brown, and the wood thrush has dark spots on its white underparts and a white eye ring. Once again, compared to the blurry spots on a buff-colored chest and buffy eye ring of the Swainson's thrush. So I would... Uh, I'd say it's a Swainson's thrush. Marion Ball put one of those floral wreaths on the door of the house, and now a robin is nesting in it. <laughs> oh, that's just... You know, Miss Lo- I had um, the, the robins try to build nests on top of some light fixtures, and I'm, I'm sorry, robins, but you started, and, and I just kept taking them down because I just don't like all that bird poop there, and I don't think it's good for the metal on the lights, so... I just kept removing them, and they finally gave up after a bit. <laughs> yeah, they're very persistent, yes. uh, and I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but I had one building on a eaves trough on the down slanting, kind of a downspout, and she built it, I know at least four times she yeah. built that nest, and of course it wouldn't stay on there, it just slid <laughs> off, but it'd wait till she had some quite a bit of it formed so then there was enough weight that it just slid off and i felt so sorry for her she she just kept and then she'd look at it you could see kind of looking saying well i don't know what i'm doing wrong here this is the way my mother did it i know and finally she just uh threw up her wings i guess and said i am going somewhere else and try it 
I talked to uh, Miss Lona this morning, and she has one that's nesting on their house, and uh, they're planning on painting the house. And she Uh-oh. said, how long do I have to wait? <laughs> well, their incubation period, uh, I told her two weeks, two weeks. The incubation period is like 12 to 14 days, and the nestling period is like 13 days. So you got them about a month in there, so... Lona said uh, it is nesting, so they got about a month before the painter shows up. So, you know, sometimes everything works out. It sounds like this time it'll work out, and I sure hope so. Uh, Tammy Vogel, a friend who uh, works with the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center in Roseville, said this outbreak of HPAI, the highly pathogenic avian influenza, has been a learning curve for everyone. We are incredibly fortunate to have one of the labs who can do the initial HPAI matrix testing right here at the University of Minnesota. The veterinary diagnostic lab has been wonderful to work with and are sending all positive results to the National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa, for confirmation. So, yeah, I appreciate all those good folks. I'm hoping, and I was hoping, that the the warm weather would just take this all away. (laughs) And now, of course, it's getting cooler again. So, yeah, you just... I just hope all the best. It's a scary thing in a world of scary things. This is another one. I got a nice note from uh, uh, somebody, a a short note, said, Do owl decoys discourage birds? Uh, The effectiveness of the plastic statues is limited because even the most skittish bird quickly finds them no threat. Yeah. I have photos of birds perched on the head of plastic <laughs> owls. Isn't it the it, kind of thing where they, they, they see it and maybe at first they're like, oh, look at this thing, and then it doesn't move, and they're like, hey, this, is, this, is, this isn't real. Yeah, and it's like uh, a lot of us, uh, maybe we're out in a garden throwing uh, quack grass out or something. All of a sudden the bird will go, oh, my goodness, what is that? And they'll <laughs> fly off in a tree, and then they watch for a while, and they say, well, well yeah. that's, that's no threat to me there. I'm going back down and get on with my life. So that is the way with the owls, and I know people say, well, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works because the owl might be put where the birds are perching, so Mm -hmm. they can no longer perch unless they want to perch on the head of the owl, which some do, (laughs) but other ones might find that just not to their liking. They say, I like the post. So in those cases, it might just block an area where the bird was. So it's not so much frightening the bird away as just uh, taking up space where the bird can no longer be. But they just, uh, they don't work. And I tell a long story about being at Cabela's and uh, people were going through those owls. And I said, do you collect owls? And he said, no, we're going to put this out on the dock or something to scare birds away. (laughs) And I said, well, those won't work. So a lot of people were buying owls. They must have been on sale that day. And finally one of the uh, managers at Cabela's came back and said, uh, uh, Mr. Bat, you just don't understand the whole retail process. What we're, what we're trying to do here is sell things. You see, that's how we make money. And 
you telling them not to buy things, you know, maybe isn't right. And I'm not saying it to pick on Cabela's. They were, they were very nice to so me. So, Al, me to, do you yeah. find that sometimes your unsolicited advice is maybe not as appreciated as as you wish? I know uh, sometimes when I'm in, I'm in a place where people are buying gardening things, and I think, oh, no, you don't, no, you don't even do that. I, in fact, I was at this weekend, I was at a place where they had, were selling peas. You know how easy peas are to grow, right? And so they yep. were selling peas in like that were pre pre sprouted and there was like five peas in this uh, four inch container was four dollars oh and seventy eight cents. And I said to the Ooh. guy, I says, you know, really, you'd be so much better off if you just get a packet of seeds for even half that price. And, yes. and I said, you know, from this, these five because they were probably about six inches tall. So you think, oh, look how far ahead I am. But if you realize how quickly they grow. So I did convince them not to spend almost five bucks on five sprouted peas in a in a four inch pot. But their their thought was they didn't, there wasn't apparently any pea seeds. They were all out in that particular store. I suggested they go somewhere else. But that's the kind of thing where I give unsolicited advice and I think maybe I should just keep my mouth shut and maybe you're the same way. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I find that often, I guess, and it, you know, we believe what we want to believe, I guess. And for some reason, when we're in a store, we see an ad or something, a little sign on this a product saying it does this, and mm-hmm. we can be, oh, you know, Persuaded. we don't. We're, <laughs> yeah, very easily, and where in other areas we're just not so likely we just we we're suspect of most things but all of a sudden we see that and uh, i i remember one year i'm i'm ringing bells at a grocery store for the salvation army and and they put me right by a big thing of osage oranges Ah. and they called it ugly fruit or something and they said put this in your basement and it'll chase chase spiders away <laughs> so people would come up and look at those and i'd say it doesn't work and look i didn't have any manager come over and say mr bat because they said they unless you throw it at the spiders it doesn't work and there is some slight evidence done by research that if you mix the juice of one of these osage oranges with the juice of something else and maybe spray it around mm. But by just sitting the oranges there, I've worked in Kansas and places leading bird walks, and we'd come up on these Osage oranges, and there were spiders on the Osage oranges and making the webs and things. So it, they just don't work. But we see that. Maybe it's because we're hopeful folks. Yeah. I hope that's the reason. We hope things are going to work, and we hope things are going to get better, and maybe just by doing this it'll make it so. But... Yeah, you're right on the unsolicited advice. And uh, the again, the guy at Cabela's, he was nice about it. He was just, <laughs> he knew he was dealing with a Neanderthal in the retail business, and he needed to explain things to me. And uh, he manager-splained, you know, <laughs> we're good at mansplaining, man. He manager-splained it to me and said, maybe you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't be doing this. Here and, at KMS, we have what's called Dwayne-splain. Yeah, he he says his wife's upset sometimes when he explains things, and she'll be like, yeah, I got it. You don't have to Dwayne-splain it. So that's our kind of our our chuckle here. (laughs) I have a brother-in-law named Dwayne, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to share that with his wife. (laughs) You have to do that. (laughs) Oh.
but it uh there's uh there are a lot of products out that we're so strict uh to get some things tested before they are available to public but there's a lot of things that uh, apparently they've determined they're not harmful so then there's no no problem uh, checking out what they're claiming so I suppose maybe a plastic owl statuette would be one of those. You put them out there, it's not hurting anybody. So yeah. just go for it. We have the uh, FDA, and, well, it wouldn't be the FDA, whatever checks that out says we have a lot of other things that we need to do. Uh, just got a, a text from somebody said, when is the breeding season for chipmunks? It's uh, kind of past. It's late February, early March for these little guys. And the first litter could be born in April, and then uh, they'll have a second one, though, and that'll be born maybe in late August. So they'll, you'll probably have enough chipmunks. And for those of us that raise tomatoes, I love chipmunks, but those little buggers, they get in there, they love tomato juice. So they'll get under the tomato, and they'll just nibble a little hole in there, and then they drink the tomato juice. And uh, I'm thinking of putting out cans of V8 for them, just so they'll leave the tomatoes <laughs> alone this year. And I will report back if that works. Because uh, again, I like their company, but boy, they have uh, they like tomatoes. I think at least just as much as I do. And uh, I like their company, but I I wish they'd go eat somebody else's tomatoes (laughs) i I hate to pass them along to anybody else but that's the way you feel it's like deer when i see them in my yard which i'm seeing regularly now i i sometimes wish they were in somebody else's yard so i could go over there and see them and but this time of the year they aren't too bad on chewing up the hostas or anything so it's they're such beautiful animals and I tell everybody I, I can't be a deer hunter. I went deer hunting once and was a complete failure on it because a chickadee landed on the things I was supposed to be shooting things with. And I blame it on Bambi. I saw Bambi a couple times at the Faust <laughs> Theater and uh, when I was real small. And it just uh, it ruined me to be as far as deer hunting will ever be, I guess. Hey, yeah, it's springtime now. I was going to ask you, what are the clouds of some kind of insects when I was walking in the yard um, out at the lake house? They're they're sort of like a light, almost transparent brownish kind of thing, but they're they're hordes. They're just like a cloud, and you go through it, and I think of how many I must have be breathing in my lungs when you're walking through the grass. What what might those be this time of year? They most likely be midges. But I mean, they're they're, just... they're in the air. They fly. Yep. Oh, they okay. Sure do. And and some people think they're like mosquitoes, but yeah. they're not. They're like mosquitoes only without the biting parts. Oh. And they're really beautiful. Sometimes they'll. I was out at uh, Freeborn Lake, and there's a couple of buildings out there. There's a pavilion and restrooms, and they will light on the uh, on the walls. And they are really beautiful insects, uh, but people, uh, there was a couple there, and they were freaked out and swatting away doing that. 
Minnesota aerobics where we swatted mosquitoes. <laughs> and they said, oh, the mosquitoes are just terrible. And I, and I, I didn't say what they were because, you know. That's another one of them unsolicited um, information. Yeah. Like, so, well, because I was thinking they must be really small because right now they just look like a cloud. They don't really look like any particular insect so much. So are they just hatching from someplace? Yeah, and mis- er, swallows and things love to eat them. Okay. I watched cedar waxwings, which are primarily fruit-eating birds, but they were eating them. So there's a lot of things that are eating them. Other insects eat them. There's just a lot of midges. And they are, I asked, I did ask the couple if they were bitten by any yet, and they said no. So I, I wanted to say, well, you won't be either, but I, again, that unsolicited <laughs> advice thing. I, so how harmful is it that I'm breathing in probably clouds of them? Because I'm walking through the yard, and I'm just breathing in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my lungs have got to be full of midges. Or I didn't know what they were at the time, but midgets, obviously. Yeah, and no, I wouldn't think so. And there could be some uh, small groups of gnats, of various oh. kinds of gnats that will ball up in a Bunches. in a swarm also that mm. could be out there as well. Some of the gnats do bite. We have those wonderful black flies or buffalo gnats that not only bite us, but are uh, death on young bluebirds too. But the ones I'm seeing the most of now are these midges. They okay. are just, they are everywhere. And uh, I was, of course, out by the water, and that's where you're going to see them for the most part. But, okay. Uh, that explains why yeah. they're so so rampant at the, the lake house, and I haven't really seen that many in town. So, Yeah, they seem to be one insect that is uh, doing well. I don't know if their numbers are just so overwhelming that no matter what happens, they're, they're still there. I uh, I get a couple calls from folks around Freeborn Lake, which isn't too far from me, every year saying, are, are these mosquitoes? Or, I don't think they're mosquitoes. What in the world are these things? And uh, they're, So I always wander out there because I think, well, maybe it's maybe it's something different. But it it proves to be midges every year. But it uh, the good part is it gets me out to Freeborn Lake, and I wander around there, and I watch there's a... The turkey vultures roost right out there, and they're a little late getting out of bed in the morning because they want to wait till maybe the sun is out pretty good so they can warm those wings and get the... They're a black bird, so they they take in the heat from the sun, and the sun also, well, you know what turkey vultures eat. That also knocks off some uh, insects and stuff they might have gotten by, uh, from eating carrion. So I get to watch them wake up and fly around, so... It's a win-win situation for everyone except the midges, probably, because they're being eaten by everything. So, Al, before you go, I've got a couple of, just got some texts here from some listeners here. Question for Al. I've been finding mice that have the color of guinea pigs, brown and white. What's up with this? Um, the, the mice are that color? Yeah, they've been finding mice yeah. with different colors apparently than just yeah and they do come in different colors our uh, minnesota mice mainly we get uh white footed we get the one that a lot of people will see is a house mouse and he's kind of uh ratty looking and i don't mean he looks like tough shape he looks like a small rat well this anyway. in this case i think they're thinking it's like multicolored, like you know how guinea pigs are like brown yep. and white so that's what i think they're they're saying almost like a little holstein rat except it's brown <laughs> Or mouse, and it's yeah. all brown and white. <laughs> oh, we uh, if they're um, 
piebald, we have like white-footed mouse. They'll be brown above and white underneath, and deer mouse. And I suppose that you could see some that would be piebald. Uh, like once in a while you'll see a deer that has a piebald, mm-hmm. has white spots on it. Well, but you know when you most, go to the pet store, Al, sometimes they'll sell, I, I mean, I've seen the little m- mice in there, and they'll like brown and, and white spotted, and that kind of thing. Could Could somebody have like the pets got out and would they have spread in the wild or is that probably a little far-fetched yeah i suppose it could certainly happen i don't know if there'd be any lasting to it uh, Mm. how long a generation that would go on but there certainly is different uh pelages different uh furs in the mice and we again we start out with a deer mouse and a white-footed mouse kind of a pretty brown and then white underneath so it could be some sort of aberrant uh, fur of those guys but yeah i suppose a neighbor kid could have a mouse and uh, they escaped <laughs> i had hamsters they escaped and they all went and lived in dad's easy chair no. and that's where they went here's another question from a listener what do pheasants do in winter same for wood ducks uh pheasants will uh, they like cattail marshes and that's where they like to winter up and part of the reason we don't have as many pheasants as we used to is that, that loss of habitat. And when I was a kid living on a farm that was about half cattail marshes or marshes of one kind or another, that's where I would find pheasants. Uh, wood ducks, a lot of them uh, leave here. Uh, some will stay around, but most of them will get out of here. Some will stay around where there's open water, and that's where they will stay. So, yeah, great questions. And I wanted to get your endorsement of these books. I have the uh, National Geographic Society has sent me a couple. They've actually sent me four of each of these books. So one is called National Geographic Kids, Little Kids, First Big Book of Birds by Catherine Hughes. Beautiful hardcover, like a a coffee table size a colorful book of different birds and the other one is called National Geographic Kids the Bird Guide of North America second edition and it's the kids companion to the best-selling field guide to the birds of North America and I've got four of each of these to give away and I thought what wow. better show to give them away on than after Albat because people are listening for bird stuff so if you've got kids maybe grandkids and you'd like to, to win one so let's hear what you think about the National Geographic books they are wonderful. I, everything the National Geographic does is superb and well done. And uh, man, what a you know you can never have too many books. That's one of the, my strongest beliefs. So please, everybody, call in, get one of those, and they'll make wonderful gifts to somebody or to yourself. You yeah. Know, you, you read it first and look through it, and then give it to uh, somebody you love, and that would be a wonderful thing. So please do call. I want to. Hey, thanks for sitting on the front porch with us. Uh, the The weather brought in the heavy artillery. Some angry golf ball-sized hail stones had battered my car while I worked at the College of Saint Benedict last week. It had hit the roof of my classroom with the enthusiasm of a storm. Windshields and rear windows of other cars needed to be replaced. They were shattered. 
You know, it wasn't flossing with barbed wire, but it was disturbing. The good thing about hail is, well, I guess there is no good thing about hail unless you're in the auto glass repair and replacement business. One auto glass company vehicle had oversized mud flats intended to prevent its rear tires from kicking up rocks. I guess they didn't need to drum up any business. Thanks, folks. Uh, please get one of those books. Remember Heartless while we're driving past. Thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And hey, Karen, thank you so much. And thanks for those books. I you think the the phones happy. are already ringing. I gotta get it. I know there's one for little kids and there's one for bigger kids. So thanks, Al. Always great to chat with you. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Karen. Yep. Bye bye. All right. So. I know the phones are ringing already, and so probably putting you on hold to chat with you. So hang on. We've got the little kids bird book and the bigger kids bird book. So you can let us know which one you want. And you do have to pick them up, by the way. It's it's so expensive to send out books. So if you can't pick them up, then we'll just say, you know, let somebody else who can pick them up at the station. So the number is 507-389-5678. That's 507-389-5678.